the best seven days of the stock market per annum almost every year, 77% of the time, are from Christmas until just after New Year's, the seven-day mythical Santa Claus rally. But it's looking a lot less likely this year. We're going to talk about whether that is going to happen. Of course, it's just a few days right before the almost inevitable recession hits in 2023. But I've got Dave Weisberger to talk about all the nonsense we saw in 2022 and, of course, what we can potentially expect for 2023. You guys don't want to miss this. Hope you're having a wonderful holiday. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and go ahead and hit that like button. I hope that all of you are having an amazing, wonderful, terrific, great holiday, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is that you celebrate. Yes, I know that many people are off today, but we decided that we would show up. I'm in Florida, and it's like 19 degrees outside. Uh... Dave's in a better part of Florida where it's not 19 degrees outside, but I know that it's still chilly. Uh, it's so cold that uh, our, our, our pool broke and all the pipes are trying to explode around our neighborhood. Pretty crazy. Floridians have no idea what to do when the temperature hits 20 degrees for four or five nights in a row. Uh, a Rational here says it's minus eight degrees where he is. Wow. I was like minus 21 in Colorado when I left, or at least feels like minus 21. But we're going to start to dig in right now. I'm going to go ahead and bring on Dave. Dave, I see you're not in your normal digs right now. You're you're uh, you you were nice enough to show up on a on a holiday here, man. How how's it going for you? Oh, it's fine, Scott. I mean, I'm I'm in my apartment uh <laughs> in Miami Beach where when it goes below 50, people are like, you know, don't have any idea of what to do. It, it's it's actually really pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. I know that that's not your necessarily your roots, so uh, you're putting on uh, your your warm weather clothes for effect for us there. Well, I mean, we got we, we have uh, you know the only long sleeve shirts I own down here in Miami are the ones I used to go skiing. So there you go. I got my spider right. You know, you can see the spider outfit. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, you look you look you look slope slope ready. So. Listen, I talked about it right at the beginning, right? I mean, this is all anyone's talking about. I can even, there's a million articles about it, but here's one. Will a Santa Claus rally come to Wall Street this year? I mean, I guess the better question is, does it even matter if we get five to seven days of exciting price action and a slight rise unless you're an aggressive day trader? Well, I mean, look, if we're talking about Bitcoin, which is what I think we're talking about, we are at a, a, a very interesting uh, part in the cycle. It, it is it looks very much like, you know, the bottoming process is is moving along. But what you're seeing is something fascinating in in both of the last two cyclical bottoms. One was just the, the flash bottom right in March of 2020 and in December of 18 you saw grinding, relentless, major action moving down in 18. And you saw sharp, oh, my God, what the, excuse me, can I say, you know, what kind of language, what the F uh, uh, (laughs) is happening? And, you know, did uh, did Crypto Hayes kick the cord out on BitMEX, which was the leading 
uh, provider of, of of leverage trading back into in 2020, you know, for about an hour when things were were at their most dire before the Fed decided to do the Sunday night intervention. In both of those cases, there was enormous volumes. In both of those cases, there was a a desperation among the holders of oh God, I better sell to get any value out. None of that is happening this time. Literally none of it. Bitcoin is four times that the both the times the cycle bottom uh, from both of the both of these last things. All time holders at an all time high, and volumes are approaching cycle lows. Uh, don't believe the volume you see from some of the wash trading exchanges. Well, what I can tell you is volumes on the more on certainly on spot exchanges are dramatically lower than they were back then. Uh, and people are sitting on the sidelines. I mean, you know, data points that people might care about. I personally am involved with either clients or uh, prospects or people or friends in the industry. Dozens of bankruptcies, Chapter 11s, it, reorganizations privately, whatever you want to call it, where firm, dozens of major trading firms who are reorganizing right now or giving up. Uh, dozens. Uh, because they lost their money from, well, they didn't lose their money. They had their money stolen from them by Sam and his little cabal while he enjoys his his Christmas holidays out in Stanford. Uh, I, I would love to see him have the guts to come on a program like this and look us in the eye because he lied to me to my face. And I will ne I never forgive that, Scott. I'm one of those those interesting people who I'll put up with all sorts of shit, but just tell me the truth. Uh, he's a liar. And I would never trust a word that comes out of them. But I, there are that many firms that are in trading. There are dozens more that we're involved with who stopped trading in December, actually in November, and said, we'll take it up again in the new year. We know what's going to happen. So when you see that sort of action, you know that the professional trading community isn't really there to amplify any moves, which, of course, it, it often does. Momentum chasing funds will chase momentum. That amplification isn't going to happen for a bit. Having said that, nobody wants to sell either. And so, you know, Bitcoin has been, I mean, I looked at the price of Bitcoin yesterday or two days ago, and I saw, you know, on our, uh, on our app, I was watching, <laughs> it's really pretty funny, but I was watching and I saw like a vertical line and another vertical line. I'm thinking, wow, volatility, that could be great. And then I actually looked at the axis, the X axis, and it, and it was, it moved from, from, at the time, I think it was 16, uh, seven, to 16.9 I mean, 200 bitcoin move but it was so flat apart from that that and it, it looks dramatic yeah it, i mean that's where we are yeah. now i mean here's a bitcoin chart right i mean <laughs> the last four days uh, we uh, we topped yeah. here at the 50 ma 16.9 and right. today and yesterday 16.746 was the bottom right and we're and talking that, about 200 range for two or three or four days and that is I mean, there, there are a lot of technicians who will look at that chart and go, well, that doesn't look like an inverse head and shoulders, so it's not a bottom yet. We need one more move down. Uh, with one more move down, it would look like an inverse head and shoulders. So you could, if you could zoom back out yeah, uh, sure. uh, of that, you'll see it. You know, so if you no, the other way around to where basically, you know, I'm, I'm pointing at my screen, hoping that you can see yeah. me. Obviously, I can't. So you can always but, share it, but we'll, we'll work on so that. Right. So, day. you know, we had a big leg down Here. and then a recovery. Here was a, this looked like recovery. If yeah. you go back to the beginning of that chart, you see the big leg down, the classic 50% retracement recovery, another leg down, another, re, another recovery, another leg down. 
Yeah. We didn't quite get that 50% recovery and we're kind of middling around. And so technicians look at that and go, oh, okay, well, maybe, you know, whatever. The, the truth of the matter is, you know, you can see these things, but what, what, what we know what's happening, the, con- the news context for those moves is very important. So, you know, the first move down, you know, from the 60s to the 40s, we were talking about it was in the context China. of 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 right and and then Luna and the stable coins, then three arrows, and then that, and now FTX. Here's the funny part: the arguably biggest move, the biggest news event, the one that is the most crippling to the industry, caused the smallest move by far. It, when you when you talk when you listen to various investors, I mean, all of the famous investors that you listen to. They'll all tell you bottoms are when selling gets exhausted and tops happen when FOMO when finally, you know, gets exhausted. Right. You know, people, you know, get tired of doing it and the, and the people who aren't participating are, are, don't don't you know, are gone. Well, it is extremely clear that the selling that's been happening uh, has been uh, is getting exhausted. The sell it just isn't as much of it. Right. There's not as much volume. The, it's not moving down. The FTX event is the biggest event of the year by far, even though it's at the end. Normally when you get it, you know, if you were like, if you were, if you, for those video game people out there, if you're playing, you know, any, any fighting game, when someone's live starts getting low and you get delivered the knockout punch, generally the market gets knocked out. Well, here, post Luna, post 3AC, post, uh, you know, Voyager, Celsius, all of the stuff that, that I hate to rehash, one might have said the, that Bitcoin was paused for a knockout blow. And then here we have the single largest exchange for professional investors, the single, the poster child for crypto in most of the normie world at, at this point is exposed as a scam. And what is Bitcoin's price action? Just about nothing. What does that yeah, tell I mean, yeah, it means that there's nobody left really to sell. And the, the I mean, I guess the silver lining when you look at it is that uh, the four sellers already sold and none of these guys had any Bitcoin left to sell. I mean, you look at FTX, they literally there was no Bitcoin on their balance. There was no Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Well, well here's it. the important point. Who are these guys? The, 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 the professional trading community, the levered traders, the, the, the lenders, et cetera, they're, they're done. So who owns Bitcoin now? People who actually believe in the long-term vision. I'll say it again because I've been on this show countless times. I've said exactly the same thing. Bitcoin trades like an option on its own future adoption. And, you know, it's future adoption as digital gold. And if you believe Max Kaiser, well beyond that. And that's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with the potential. And I certainly understand why we would care. You know, whether you're Mark Yusko, who's been on this program with me, and he talks about the base layer of the Internet of Value. None of this stuff has changed. What's changed is the speculation in Bitcoin has been crushed because their favorite place to do speculation was crushed. It's more or less would have been the same thing had in 2020 instead of uh, you know being a mass panic if BitMEX had gone kerplucked. And people yeah. said, oh, my God, what will we have done? Uh, but it turns out they didn't steal anything, at least not that anyone knows of. And they actually seem to be you know, coming back now. I mean, it, the market has survived dominant players crashing before. Uh, and it will survive dominant players crashing again, because at the end of the day, and we all have to remind ourselves of this. 
the market that we are talking about is about a real asset, not real in the sense of it can touch it and hold it, but real in the sense of it's something that a lot of people ascribe value to. And I'm going to say it again. We are still ascribing 4x the previous cycle bottoms. And I don't think that's an accident. Because the network itself, if you look at the hash rate, the adoption, number of wallets, is four times the size, actually bigger than that. One could argue that we should be eight times the size cycle bottom would be more or less a, quote, fair value. I, I got to get it in frame, but yeah, fair value, in right? Frame. Yeah. Uh, and and it, so it, when you ask me the question, you know, will there be a Santa Claus rally? I mean, it's possible. Look, there. Are, it, it depends on who has money to be. The reason for Santa Claus rallies are people get their tax selling out of the way before the holiday. Now the selling pressure abates. And there are still some people who get Christmas bonuses in December and have money to allocate. And when they allocate money, where do they, where does it go? Well, will, on low volume, will <laughs> they're, percent- they're allocating when there's low volume, which right. is uh, right. Yeah. If portfolio managers out there, and I'm not talking about professional ones necessarily, but people who with their own portfolio who say, okay, what percentage of my wealth should I put in Bitcoin as an asset class? And they come to the conclusion that somewhere between two and 5%, which is, Really, there are a lot of very smart people who believe that that is the, is the rational case. There are plenty of other really smart people who think it should be greater than that. And a lot of others who basically say, oh, my God, bah humbug, there is no such thing. It's, it's you know, it, it's, it's a scam. Those people, while they're louder now than they've been at any point in the last three years, really don't have a whole lot of credibility because of the, if the, the, their reasoning is the same as they basically took out their reasons from four years ago, from eight years ago. And, you know, whatever, and redusted it off and they talked about it again. But the point is, is that if there is Christmas bonus money, then, yeah, you could see a slight rally going into the new year because there's not as much selling and there just isn't a lot going on. More likely, uh, you'll see bouncing around these floor levels until um, until there's a new catalyst, until people start looking at macro. I mean, the macro picture ain't pretty. Right. But it's not disastrous either. I was just looking at my favorite macro indicator uh, this morning, the Baltic Dry Exchange Dry Index, which tracks shipping. I saw some stuff that made me think it was going to be lower than it is. Maybe it's a it, maybe it's it, um, the one I'm looking at on trading economics is is delayed. But I saw that you know imports coming into the U.S. was at a much lower level than any Christmas recently. Uh, I couldn't find that data this morning. What I'm looking at, however, is a chart that basically shows we're back down to the the historical average, uh, where obviously in 2021 through 2022, we were way above the historic, like literally double to triple the historical average because of easy money and things booming. Reverting the historical trend is, is hardly disastrous. It's just... You know, a fact that, you know, yeah, we may be in the middle of a mild consumer recession, yada, yada, yada. But it doesn't seem anything that's going to make the Federal Reserve say, "Okay, crap. And so the real issue is going to be their perception of inflation narrative and how much more they have to raise rates, because rates are really what's going on here. And, And people always need to understand it's the direction of rates, not the absolute level, because the absolute level of rates is not high. Let's be, yeah, let's be, let's be my, my parents paid 14% on mortgages in the 1980s, right? I mean, this is not uh, historically high. No, we're not. We're, we're, we're more or less getting close to historical averages even there. So, but, it, but the, the pace of change and the percentage of that change was historic. 
right? You know, yeah. it, it, you know, it, 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 not since Volcker have we seen that steep of a curve. And in the case of crypto, that's a big deal. So like a couple of things that uh, there's a positive and there's a negative. The, let's start with the positive because people don't really understand that. all that tether FUD out there. Now, maybe the guys at tether are morons, but I don't think so. The fact is with T-bills at the rate they're at now, tether, because of what it is, which is you put money into it, you earn no yield from it. It is a means of transaction in dollars around the world. It is essentially that. And that has value in the crypto sphere. Holding Tether now, the Tether people are making, and here's the, here's the data, $3 billion a year just by holding T-bills. There's two implications of this, Scott. One is, it, both are obvious. One is good for crypto. One is bad. Good for crypto is why the hell would they take risk? So when they make statements, we're winding down what risk we took. People are like, oh, yeah, look, at the end of the day, they don't need to take risk there. It's ex extraordinarily profitable without risk. When interest rates were zero, sure, they invested in commercial paper to make money because their entire business is based on float, right? So if you want to believe, ask me, I, I'm a big believer in following the money. Is it possible that they have risk on their balance sheet from the past? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, do I think that that's the case? I mean, maybe. But at $3 billion a year in profit with the small group that they have, I mean, do they need to? And, and wouldn't they? I would say it just, it just doesn't fit with, with, with reality. Now, the bad news is holding Tether to trade in crypto has a cost because the people who hold Tether could also own interest-bearing you know, uh, uh, stuff, you know, T-bills, dependents, et cetera, which means in, in essence, the entire crypto ecosystem that is there where Tether is used to buy, your hurdle rate for it being a worthwhile purchase is now dramatically higher than it used to be. And that explains a lot of why the DeFi tokens are lagging. Yeah, they yeah. probably overshot. Why, why would you take risk in DeFi when you can get four plus percent on a government bond? Correct. And so until there's demand for trading, uh, for, for, for financing uh, in DeFi that is in excess of what you could get on a risk-free rate, why would you put money there? I mean, the money that's locked there may, be very, may, may very well be locked there, but the truth of the matter is uh, there's just not a lot of reason to do it. Whereas the, the, when DeFi was because there was huge demand to borrow stuff and the people are willing to pay above market interest rates to borrow stuff, which happens when there's a lot of speculation, which happens when there's a lot of, of derivative trading activity, et cetera, a lot of lending, et cetera, that cycles around. Um, that still isn't fully unwound yet. There, it, it, the long term of DeFi, and you've heard me say this, will be, to, will be to disintermediate many of the players that charge excessive amounts to borrow and lend, whether it's securities lending or interest rate swaps or repos, et cetera. But those applications haven't emerged yet. So the applications that did emerge in the last cycle were based on speculation. Right. Not that the based on offering high up. yields, which are gone, and then you can't beat the yields that are available and safer investments, and therefore it's stagnant. Now, but I like the fact, really quick, I like the fact you talk about the fact that Tether 
practically nothing to earn $3 billion a year, literally just put their money into treasuries and, and call it a day. Some could have made the same argument for, I don't know, Sam Bankman Freed, right? I mean, that guy had the easiest free money maybe in the, in the history of people with easy free money and still completely lost everything and blew it. Well, I mean, he owned the casino. I was reading an article the other day about one of the symptoms of the drug that he takes being, and it's not a symptom, it's a correlation. There's a high correlation of people taking that drug to be compulsive gamblers. I mean, look, I've told you before, I've sat at enough poker tables in my life. And, and while it's been a lot less recently over the last five years and not looking too good for 2023 either, <laughs> uh, the fact is... I mean, my, my, my father, may he rest in peace, one of his, he had lots of, of we used to call them artyisms. One of them was never bet more than you could afford to lose, which sounds pretty obvious, but the person who's willing to bet more than they can afford to lose is someone you never want to trust with your money. The trick is knowing that that's the person. Sam, Caroline, and their band of merry men and women were, were people who were totally willing to bet more than they could afford to lose, and they kept doing it. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, FTX was if there were two ways the trajectory could have gone. One in this history uh, where Alameda made some money, they used it to build a trading venue, which achieved prominence. He had this whole scam idea of let's take a lot of money, all the profits that we're making and dump it into donations and political and advertisements, et cetera to make us look bigger than we are, to attract more money, to become a bigger and better platform. And we'll shut down the, the gambling operation because we don't need it anymore and we have no edge. In that world, FTX probably becomes the dominant global crypto exchange, certainly the dominant exchange in the United States, and squeezes out competitors by use of, of regulatory capture because they'll, they'll be the ones that own the regulators, the legislators, etc. Uh, I actually am happier to live in the world we live in today than in that world what it would have been. It would have been much more pleasant this Christmas. We'd be making more money. You know, my company would be more profitable. You'd have more subscribers interested. We'd all be happier. But we'd wake up at some point like the frog in the pot, not knowing we were being boiled and not knowing that the market was being, you know, basically handed to somebody. Uh, by regulatory capture until, and we'd have to be talking about how, who, you know, who can disrupt that, who can break the FTX freight train, you know, who can stop this because he wanted to, with the DCCPA, basically strangle DeFi, strangle, you know, other com- you know, competitors with that would, that, that I think are, have a better long-term prospect. The world we do live in, however, he didn't stop gambling. They kept doubling down. They lost how many ever billions on, on Luna and they doubled down again. Uh, they lost how many evers, uh, how much ever on three hours and whatnot, and kept gambling. And then when the SEC denied the Bitcoin ETF and the GBTC trade blew up for good, you know, or not for good, but went from 20s discount to 40s discount, another few billion got lost, and you know, basically from you know an Alameda lost. And at that point, the hole was so big, the only way they could paper over it was with their own you know shit coins, their Sam shit coins, you know, the the Serum and, and FTT. And that made it incredibly vulnerable. It's actually amazing that it took three months, but you know, when it happened, it happened and it happened fast, right? Between Coindesk and people said, oh, CZ took a headshot. CZ didn't take a headshot. What he should have done is not said anything, sold his own, and then watched the carnage from afar instead of losing a lot of money on his own side uh, because you know his FTT was worthless. That's what he should have done. 
I mean, I, I don't I don't know the man. He's way too opaque for me. Not a big fan of the way they do business. Uh, it's really hard to talk to them, even about API changes and stuff. I'm telling you, it is not a a company run for working within an ecosystem. It's a company that runs as if it's its own ecosystem. And that's dangerous too. But the fact is, is I don't think it was him trying to kill Sam. Maybe it was in a way, but it reminds me of the guy who starts a forest fire, you know, in war, hoping to, you know, smoke out his enemies and the wind shifts and ends up getting his own troops. I mean, there's no way that, that people are happy with what's happened. Anyway, that was a very long winded diatribe. Yeah, but what you just described actually could be uh, ascribed to SBF as well, right? Because it's clear when you're starting to dig in and look at it that uh, I'm not going to say that he was fully behind all these things, but he was certainly aggressively shorting Luna and, you know, uh, sweeping apparently the stops of Three Arrows Capital and all these things. And the contagion that he started was in the end what probably buried him as well. I mean, there should yeah. be some lessons there for anyone who's who's still left. I mean, there's no doubt. There's literally no doubt that that you know, in a small market, you know, that, that things are interrelated. And the fact of the matter is, you know, maybe they didn't really understand how much leverage there was. Yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I think I, there is a little bit of truth to him uh, saying, "I have no idea what the hell's going on," and that being true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that part may very well be true, but but what was what what was un, what is now unquestionably true, because we've seen it, you know, unless, you know, unless you're one of these real radical conspiracy theorists who thinks that, you know, that Caroline and Gary in their in their their plea deals, uh, uh, signed up and said things that were complete lies to try to get themselves out of prison, which I can't imagine why they would. It, it's it's illogical. Uh, both of them saying more or less the same thing that Alameda was allowed, was given trading privileges. That's something that we had multiple accounts uh, tell us they thought was true, which made FTX less fair of a venue to trade on than others, but they still were able to make money. So they did it, but they weren't happy about it. We now know for sure that, that those, those accusations are true. We know for sure that Alameda was allowed to go negative and that the vaunted FTX risk engine, uh, which very well might have been really good. Yeah, you just don't when you turn it off for your own Because their largest creditor was exempted from it, which essentially gave them an easy way to steal. It's sort of like, you know, if you're a bank manager and you have a back door to the vault and the bank manager's friends are allowed to go in and take everything out of the vault whenever the hell they want to, what's going to happen to the vault? If the bank manager's friends are a bunch of compulsive gamblers and that let's, let's call it what it is. That is what happened. And so we now know all of this stuff, but the effect and the impact on the, the, on Bitcoin and on the rest of crypto is profound because so many people got sucked in. That's what's important. I mean, it took, you know, in none of the previous events was the underlying financial health of smart trading firms who were making money, who actually were either short or not long during the falls. In none of the other events did those firms lose money. It was Darwinism. So in 2020, the firms that made money trading were still there after the event. 
in 2018, the firms that made money trading were still there after the event. Yeah, there were fewer of them in 2018 because of more of a grind, but there were firms who made money. Here, you could have had a fund, and I know of funds, making 20, 30% a month over the course of the first 10 months of 2022 that are bankrupt right now. Because not because they lost money, but because their money was stolen from them. This is this is a very different sort of event, right? You have to, and I keep telling the people in my company who are panicking, oh my God, look at how bad volumes are. I'm like, you literally took 75% of the professional trading community globally and, and took a crowbar and smacked their knees with it. Some have crumpled to the ground never to get up. Some will dust it off, get back up and recapitalize. Others are in better position and will continue to trade, but they have to have someone to trade with. And so yeah, that's what it, looking at. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't think, I, I've made the point even not from the professional trading community, but even if you just look at the established retail trading community, I'm not talking about the retail that just invested and bought Bitcoin and thought, you know, I'm gonna leave it for a while. I'm talking about the people who aggressively trade their own portfolios they are the ones who got crushed on FTX, right? Like retail, the other ones got crushed on Voyager and Celsius and BlockFi and all of these. But the people who really believed in trading this market were doing it with sizable portfolios of their own. They were on FTX. That's where they traded. And now they just have no money to trade. So where would this volume possibly come from? Well, I mean, okay. So what you just said is 100% true. But where did the volume come from three years ago, two years ago? In oh, it'll eventually come back in. It's just. I mean, you know, all you have to do is understand the amount of financial loss. And if you look, so the entire market cap of crypto is, what is it right now? Let's see. Uh, six um, or 700. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 we're well under a trillion dollars. Tech stocks lost way more than the entire market cap of crypto in 2023 way more the 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 truth of the matter is it's a small asset class globally does not take much doesn't take it doesn't take much for money to flow back in people have dusted themselves off the off the, the the floor before the only thing i will point out is as much as i like to see quick v reversals this has the feel of a of an exhaustion bottom and that takes time this is this is you know we could be looking at at, at, at a much longer than you know so we could go be going into the having still talking about i mean literally going into the having just starting to see i mean it, the, the the green shoots i'll remind you lehman went bankrupt the stock market didn't bottom for three months after that yeah and after that if people like like Tom Lee, Fundstrat, who we haven't heard from recently, I, I maybe I'm just not paying attention. I don't know what he's saying. I'd be curious because he's one of the smarter macro brains out there. Uh, you know, he basically said in 2009, this is a, a massive buying opportunity. And people laughed at him. Not only laughed at him, they called him names. I mean, you know, anyone who wanted to be a buyer in 2009 at the bottom was derided. They were made fun of. They were told, oh, my God, don't you realize what just happened in 2008? The entire financial system has been shaken to its core. We will never recover. I mean, it's really important and instructive to learn from that because we had had this huge bull market that went from, you know, the 80s 
you know, and ended in, in the, the internet bubble. Then we had the internet bubble. It took three years for tech stocks to recover. Three years. It was the, if you, I was looking at a chart this morning, which showed the only time in, in, since tech stocks have been measured that there were three down years in a row. Now, of course, they, it came on the, hat, the heels of this ridiculous rally. Now, everything in crypto happens faster. It lost as much basically in the last, you know, whatever, you know, from the highs as NASDAQ did in that three-year period. So it, I don't think it needs that much time. But the fact is it took three years. Then after that, we had this huge bull run in real, led by real estate, you know, for, which was a four or five year thing. And that bull run was, was, was crazy, you know, strong. And then all of a sudden we had the financial crisis. What a surprise because people were, but were levered on their houses. You had waitresses flipping condos. I mean, you know, what, what do you expect was going to happen? And once again, in 2000, early 2009, we're, sit, we're sitting at a point where you look at the chart now and you go, oh my God, what an obvious buying opportunity. Anyone who said to buy in 2009 literally was was told they were morons. It's like, oh, my God, this is going to continue for years. We have to unwind this. March of 2020 as well, by the way. March of 2020 as well. Is the, I mean, March, April and May of 2020 were like the worst historical two months for hedge, for hedge fund performance on Wall Street, when literally all they had to do was buy anything during any point during those two months. But they were all still aggressively shorted. Right. So, you know, I, I have very little... Uh, concern about where the money is going to come from in an asset class that is as potentially disruptive to the future as crypto is. I, I understand that we are facing a, a a winter. We understand that we have had body blow after body blow, and we still don't know where all the whether all of them have floated to the top oh, of the yeah, pond yet. Exactly. Uh, what I do know is I we have personally at Coin Routes <clears throat> had conversations with half a dozen derivative exchanges or people trying to build new new markets over the last two years, some of which probably ran out of money, some of which are, are probably actively building. The fact is marketplaces are the least of our concern. Yeah, it's a concern now. Right now, it's like, okay, do you trust OKX? Do you trust Wabi? Do you trust Binance? Do you trust BitMEX? Do you trust Ascendex? Do you trust BitGet? You know, whatever, Femex, you know, name them all. They're all exchanges out there that have varying degrees of technology and risk engines that are all claiming, yeah, 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 we're cool here, proof of reserves. And I'm sure I forgot a few others. I mean, I'm not, you know, not trying yeah. to. We also have DYDX, a distributed exchange where people can hold their own wallets, where you don't have to worry about it if the smart contracts work. I know I made the, the if, I'm not a forensic accountant to know, are the smart contracts working? Although we have enough people telling us they do. The trend that, that's going to happen out of this is more more DeFi, not less for trading, and more uh, separation between custody and exchanges. Those are two trends that if they don't happen, I will be extraordinarily surprised, Scott. But none of those things happen overnight. Both are incredibly productive you know, in, in terms of towards the future, but that's the trend, right? And so you'll start seeing that. It's just like in 2009, people were like, okay, the Fed is in, in, we're at zero. Risk assets are basically free. I could buy anything. Yet people were derided for doing it. I mean, you're going to see all sorts of macro cross currents in here. But, you know, the market seems more or less in some level of stasis right now. And markets don't like to be in stasis. So, yeah. 
I agree. I mean, interestingly, you could take a look. Here's just a couple of other headlines. World economy is headed for a recession in 2023. Okay, listen, Goldman's priced in at 100%. I think everyone agrees that we are either in a recession or headed to one. But then BlackRock gave their sort of opinion on it. They showed that uh, we're starting to see a lot of flashing red indicators, you can see here. But their conclusion, even with all of this nonsense, if you look at the end, overall, we think this all adds up to a mild recession, right? Not as not as a cataclysmic they made a, a few good points which is that we have a lot of room to fall comfortably considering the outsized gains that we've had the past years and basically they're saying we think we'll see a mild recession and then uh things will be fine right and uh and and i want to make one more point to your point because while you were talking i was pulling up a, a few charts first of all bear markets can take a long time mike mcglone pointed this out but this is spy you could basically take the market this is uh 2000 february of 2000 it took until 2013 to make a new high right so it can take these things can be prolonged and they can be slow but it's very disingenuous and i wrote about this in the newsletter this morning people talk about how bitcoin has made this round trip we're back to five years ago what a piece of shit asset all these things we'll take a look at amazon amazon was trading at the same price now as it is now in 2018 take a look at facebook facebook went back to 2016 Right. I mean, you talk about stocks, but even with all of this contagion and all of the 3AC, Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, FTX, we're not doing worse than companies that are well established and have been the biggest companies in the world for all of this time. And right? if you pull up the hash rate of Bitcoin, which is why the miners are in such distress. Yeah. The fact is, is. People are like if you're if you're a Bitcoin miner and you're on the margin in terms of your electricity cost, you're basically saying to yourself, what the fuck? How, how are people constantly going into this business? Why are they still investing in it? Because, well, there are people who, who believe in the long term. And the fact of the matter is a lot of the flip side to all of what's been going on is really, you know, Bitcoin has been said in many respects to be the the a bet on against trust in institutions and the dollar while the dollar has been ridiculously strong over the last year the dollar the u.s is not where the demand for bitcoin is coming from the demand for bitcoin is coming from all the places whose currencies have gotten wrecked and you know if you're a if you you're a, a store owner in you know argentina or turkey for that matter and you're earning the local currency, you know, whether it be bolivars or lira, or whatever. If you're, you know, you're seeing the kind of inflation that you're seeing there, what do you do? Do you want, you know, do you want to be taking in bolivars and and then knowing you have to buy your shit, you know, and and spend them as soon as you get it because it's worth less the next day. It's not surprising that we're at an all time high of Bitcoin ATMs and Bitcoin money, Bitcoin being accepted by per for purchases you know, peer to peer by vendors. I mean, these are not small things. I mean, the, the, the use case for Bitcoin is significantly stronger than it was five years ago. Five years ago, when we hit 17,000 in that high, and yes, I say 17 and not 20, because it was offered on, I've said this before, uh, at, it never really went higher than, than 17. So we're more or less within spitting distance of the, of the all-time high at that point. The fact of the matter was it was all hype. Today, it's grown into it. When you look at Amazon at, in 2018, you know, it, it was at, it was still all of them were at hype. I mean, the multiples were ridiculous. If you pulled up a chart of the multiples, you would see it's much more normal now. In short, 
it took a it took a roller coaster to grow into where it was back then. But those things, it's it's very similar. Bitcoin isn't even in the even in sniffing distance of where it could grow into if it were considered digital gold. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is gold has been in a holding pattern, you know, more or less even bigger for a long period of time. But a lot of it is because Bitcoin is demonetizing gold at the margin. A lot of the same people who would have bought gold and probably chased it to 3000 by now with all the shenanigans going on with with money uh, are in Bitcoin because it's the marginal player that sets the price, not the not the long term holder. And so that's why Bitcoin is where it is. The marginal players are, are sidelined. The long-term holders are like, okay, you know, I'll accumulate more slowly, but I'm not going to be the one to push the price up. I'm, I'm not going to let it fall. Well, not that I'm not going to let it fall, but there's too many of us for it to fall. And so we're stuck in this situation. But it's a really interesting dynamic. And, you know, this time we, look, I, I will be surprised if we're not still talking about how markets are boring come June. I really will be. I, I hope to be surprised, but I will be surprised. Does that mean you think that Bitcoin will be trading at roughly the same price and will just sort of be this correlated asset where everything is boring and, and sideways? Or do you think that we could still, I mean, like you said, at the very beginning, you said, hey, I'm talking to a lot of institutions and they got wiped out. Nobody's heard about that, right? So is there more contagion yet to come to dump the price or is there just nobody left to sell and we jump on board I, the, I, uh, the, I, the I back of the trade? You, I, my view is, it's funny. I had my view before I read you know, you know, I've been reading, you know, Arthur Hayes's stuff. I think his PEMBUS, uh, which was the order of operations right. uh, article that we talked about the last time I was on is is sort of where I'm at. I think that, you know, when you can earn money and, and you can sit and earn four or five percent, take your four or five percent and wait for shit to happen. The fact of the matter is, I think that Bitcoin, we're going to look back at this period in time and say, OK, this is a great time to accumulate. I think the 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 asymmetry of Bitcoin risk versus reward may be higher now than it's ever been, but it takes time for people to make that decision, right? Now, what what do I mean by that? I mean the the likelihood of Bitcoin becoming digital gold and actually seeing a new all time high and beyond that at some point in the next decade, I think is higher now than it was a year ago. I think that right. that DeFi is has a higher probability of becoming major primitives for the financial market of the future now than it ever did because we've seen the risk of humans and what they do in terms of risk and the, the demand for verifiable financial uh intermediaries is 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 off the charts all these things that that's very bullish long term it doesn't take much all it would take is one major pension fund one major theo catalyst and, and like a, a catalyst could be the uh, legislation it could be you know we're going to have the sec do x the cftc do y they're going to have a period of time to figure out how to do this uh and and and, and off we go there are two ways that could go out with gensler it's entirely possible that what he wants to do is destroy in the united states all crypto uh, uh, exchanges because they, they, they're not, he calls them exchanges. He may personally try to litigate them out of existence. And that would be definitely a cause for selling because he would lose all us citizens wouldn't have any place to buy any of this stuff. And then with his goal being use exchanges that trade only nine, you know, only on normal market hours 
with custodians that you have to trust, you can't self-custody, where you can't buy it in multiple currencies, et cetera. And it basically will drive everything offshore and everything will be driven into DeFi protocols and driven underground again. It'll be more or less where, and that this is the bear case. This is the bad one. Is he going to be allowed to do that? I don't think so. I don't think the Administrative Procedures Act would allow it. I think it'll end up in court. I think he's going to be in court on multi, on, on two at least of his recent five proposals he just made. They're going to have their their lawyers are going to be very busy. I mean, they they just proposed market structure in the equity world changes. Uh, three of the five are going to get challenged, and they're going to get challenged heavy. Uh, one is for auctions. You probably heard about that, which basically he wants to take away. He wants people to pay for trading again. He doesn't want free commissions. He thinks that's bad for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm sure most of your viewers think, you know, agree with me that he's being that his control freakiness is is hitting a all time high. He he wants so. to over engineer tick sizes and fee caps and everything in a way where it's, it's basically mandated by the federal government. And it was written by an academic who we put to run trading and markets who clearly has never traded in his life. Well, he seems like a very nice, smart man. He has zero experience. And so there's massive holes and problems with that that are going to come out in the comment period. We don't know whether he's going to try to push ahead with it. He has a regulation best execution, which crypto people need to worry about, because while I think reg, I think best execution is something that crypto uh, folks really do need to care about. I mean, you should. I mean, I have a whole company based upon providing a exactly. better way of trading. The fact is, is he wants to put in and make everyone have pages and pages of policies and procedures and committees for you to allocate money to an asset class. And this is not just crypto. In fact, in point of fact, he's targeting fixed income with this. He's trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. Uh, with regard to the way that actually works. And, and I won't go into the details, but there's going to be a lot of comments about that too. Why am I saying this? It's because at the end of the day, anything he wants to do against crypto exchanges is fascinating. Like the point we didn't talk about, which I wanted to get to today, is FTT. So the FT, the, 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 the SEC said FTT is a security in their, um, in their indictment of SAM. And in the the the, the pleas with uh, with Carolyn and and, and Gary Wang, uh, honestly, that's really good news. People haven't figured it out yet. They basically said it's a security because of stuff that doesn't exist for most other cryptos. Because they said it was based on the white paper said buy this because we have an excellent management team. That's really very important, and 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 in point of fact. If true, their allegations on the surface make it seem like that. They said, buy this because it's going to go higher because we're doing X, Y, and Z in the future that hasn't been done yet. And they said, buy this because it's going to trade liquidly and we're going to support it and we're going to, it's going to be traded with us. Well, I mean, no DAO or, or, you know, set out crypto in DeFi. None of these platforms have any of that. So, you know, if you basically said that, that, that this means that BNB as an exchange token is a security, I think there's an argument there. But BNB isn't marketed, at least I haven't seen any marketing that says it's based on future uh, uh, growth or future applications that don't exist yet. You know, it gets burned. It's there. It's for, you know, it is what it is. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it... it to me, their reasoning in the FTT case, and there were all sorts of articles saying, oh, the game is over for crypto because of this. No, uh, that's actually not true. But even if it was true, even if it was, let's take the worst case, Scott, do, 
securities laws as currently constituted would be death to crypto because they don't work, not because the idea of being regulated is bad. It's because it would force, it forces things to be held by third parties and you can't sell custody, you know, stuff like that. We've talked about it a lot. So I'm not sure that it's as negative a news as people were, were saying. In fact, the market price of both instruments shrugged it off. I mean, Ether's yeah. over twelve hundred again. I mean, I guess it was it it got down almost to eleven hundred when that news first broke because it's oh my god, Ether must be a security. Really, people are buying Ether because of a management team. Really, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. maybe, but I don't see how. Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree. While you're uh, while I was listening to you, I was looking at the hash rate um, versus price i wasn't able to really get the trading view chart that i was looking for but if you take i mean it's astounding to see where the bitcoin hash rate and adoption are versus this same price in 2017 it's thousands and thousands of percent increase while price is now back to being the same and that is my point that's what bottoms look like bottoms look like when things are anomalous and you can't explain them and they make no sense it never makes sense at the top and it never makes sense at the bottom. And that's because we are, we are humans. We all, I mean, I'm one of the worst. I overreact to almost everything, as my wife will, will, will be, would be happy to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at, I, I just, like, I, you can, obviously, it changes. And this is on a percentage basis. But, the, okay, that says 734. But if you pull this back to where price is basically saying, okay, it's saying that we're 4%. I had it right there. Well, let's say uh, price is up 18% since then. It's not. It's slightly down, but just, you know, it's, it changes every time. Hash rate being up 1,000% there. If you're just looking at the price on the bottom versus the hash rate. I mean, when you look at those two things and see that the price is exactly the same, it should tell you everything you need to know about what the potential is, even if you just believe in mean reversion. Yeah, I mean... It- <laughs> if price even reverts to the mean and they meet somewhere in the middle, imagine how high price can go. Right. And so but you have a lot of, of stat traders doing this saying, OK, I'm going to short the miners and buy Bitcoin. And a lot of that has happened. The problem with that is the miners are not necessarily a proxy for the hash rate. It depends no, on their, their inputs, their 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 funding situation, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not sure there's that much more to do in that trade, but I know of very smart people who have had that trade on. Yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly not advocating for the trade because these are actual businesses. They bought a ton of miners during the bull market that they had to put online, which has perpetuated the problem of the hash rate going up. I'm just saying, if we're looking at price versus adoption, and that's being the metric that you use, then even if uh, hash rate comes way down and price meets it somewhere in the middle, we're talking about many multiples on price. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the bull case for Bitcoin is is completely based on the notion of of the Internet of value and being able to transact seamlessly. And that gets driven is not being driven from in the United States as much, but it will. I mean, we talked about, you know, the BlackRock stuff and and what they're saying. And people are saying, yeah, it's going to be a mild recession. I will remind you, because I've said it multiple times to you and in public, the Federal Reserve wants to keep the long end of the curve lower so the government doesn't get bankrupt, right? Because at a certain interest rate, the government literally is, is it all because of our debt. And it's not just us, but because of our debt, it is literally interest payments would be would be a balanced budget would be pay your interest and shut down every single program in the government from defense on down. Now, obviously, they're not going to do that. 
So they want to keep the end, low end of the curve down. They want an inverted yield curve. I said it, you might remember over a year ago, I told you they want an inverted yield curve. And, and even though it signals recession, they don't care. They want it. Well, they've gotten what they wanted. So, you know, if I had a hat on, I would say, you know, tip my hat to them. They've done exactly what they said they wanted to do. Uh, they still want an inverted yield curve. They don't want it to, 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 to go the other way around. They want to be able to push short rates to knock inflation out and keep the long end down and let short rates gradually normalize to being a flat yield curve. That's what they want. That's what they need. So, you know, is that a recession? In the past, when people see an inverse yield curve, they say, oh, my God, that means the world believes the economy is going to slow down over the next 10 years. So that's why the long end is down. I don't know. I mean, this curve is being engineered, Scott. So I'm yeah. not sure what it shows. You know, people are still financing household on, on household debt. People are doing whatever. The fact of the matter is, I don't know how big a driver tech jobs are to the economy. But, you know, the, 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 as anyone will tell you, the job market uh, for, you know, tech companies right now ain't perfect. Right? It's been worse. <laughs> But it's not great. And, you know, it's kind of hard to see how that doesn't tip some places into some, you know, into some semblance of recession. But in a world where the U.S. dollar still reigns supreme, you know, I don't think the U.S. gets hurt nearly as bad as the rest of the world. And so we'll we'll see. But no, it it could get serious out there. But if it even smells serious, the Fed is going to have to capitulate. There is no they do not have the stomach for for uh, a deep recession and you know while the fed put on assets they don't care about assets but they do care, they don't care about if stocks go down but they care about uh, the american becoming homeless in right and, and and keep in mind in one, one last thing is the year they're much more likely to care about to not care about damage in 2023 they're going to care a lot about damage in 2024 yeah the last thing they want to do uh, is be seen as political or uh, potentially cause a, a, you know, the ruling party, whoever that is, to get destroyed in the next election because they triggered a, you know, a, a significant recession, right? 2023, I think they care a lot less, but going into the, the, the next presidential election cycle, I think it's extremely clear that you know what that, that they they will get more political and there will be huge pressure on them to not allow really bad things happening yeah they, they don't want a depression <laughs> they don't want a depression etc and, and if you think that 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 the ruling party didn't look at at the pandemic because if people forget that right before the pandemic started the economy was 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 doing incredibly well and the truth of the matter is it was a layup to see Trump get reelected and then all hell broke loose and he handled it really, really badly in many, many respects, with the exception of Operation Warp Speed, but still handled it, it was incredibly vulnerable because of it. He lost because of that. There's no reason in the world to think that a major recession or depression being triggered toward the end of 2023 into 2024 wouldn't have the exact same impact on on on, on the Democrats. And they're not dumb. They know what I'm saying is true. They're going to do everything they can to avoid that. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. And I now have kept you way over your time, but uh, luckily we're on a holiday. <laughs> and uh, But now I'm going to let you go out and enjoy that uh, crisp, cool weather that you're having here in Miami, probably like 70. I don't know. No, you guys, like, what, are you in the, in the 50s? 50s. 
It's in the fifties. It's fine. But still, still sub freezing here. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You actually get to pull out that one box of uh, relics that you kept from when you lived up north and uh, pull them out for one week before you're back on the beach. But Dave, thank you so much, guys. You may have noticed Dave's pretty much here every Monday now. That's kind of the plan is for him to be very regular. Him and also uh, Mike McGlone, uh, and you know. I guess we'll just call you a recurring guest. I don't know. You can, we can call you the host if you want. You can do the whole beginning thing. Save me no, a lot of it's, trouble. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's all good, Scott. I mean, today we talked yeah. too long, but it's mostly because we're. I'm not planning on working the rest of the day. I'm going to go. Yeah, and, go and we life. appreciate it. I think we, uh, I think we, uh, we sorted through it rel- relatively well, then. And so thank you very much. Thank you guys all for tuning in. I know that it's a holiday uh and uh maybe you have better things to do or maybe actually this is the first time you can sit down in front of youtube and enjoy it without having other things to do i hope that that's the case was certainly uh good for me because now i get to go take the rest of the day off thank you guys uh so much i will of course be back tomorrow 9 30 a.m eastern standard time when it is not holiday anymore it seems like the never-ending holiday we do have more coming but david uh thank you man once again i really do appreciate you always showing up and sharing your insight thanks scott and, and one right. plug, uh, yeah, we please. finally launched our new website, uh, coinroutes.com. Uh, we will be taking you know people for wait lists for as the product gets pushes down toward more active traders over the rest of the year. So, you know, just, just, a, just a shameless plug. No, it's not shameless. Out. Is that so? Is CoinRoutes available to retail? Is it available to us and our? It's generally an institutional, it's an platform, institutional right? product yeah. now. We're finally we're, we put up a wait list online because we are. We have a multi-tenant solution. I could go through that and explain it. But the fact of the matter is uh, we're working on on the scaling and security to be able to handle lots of users. I mean, people have traded over $100 billion through the platform. So it's not about scale of how to trade. It's about uh, being able to go down towards the active trading individuals. But I would expect by the end of this year, by the end of 20, certainly before the end of 2023, uh, all of your users would have the ability to access the platform. So I'm just starting to plug it now so people can start seeing it as we build our wait list. Uh, you know, we'll, we will want be looking for beta testers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just worth knowing that. So shameless plug, but, you know, there you go. Uh, if you can't shameless plug here after all that you've uh, contributed to this community, I don't think there's any way that you can shameless plug. Right. Let's, and, uh, and, let's and do we'll, a longer we'll, conversation we'll, we'll, about it. Definitely. Just so you know, my plan, because I was going to ask you, now we're doing, I'm asking yeah. you live, is we will almost certainly, you know, as we get this stuff going, offer, uh, you know, discounts and and trials for your listeners. And Amazing. we can talk about uh, expanding that relationship as well as it grows. But, you know, we're, we're just starting the, the process of moving in that direction. And right now, building a wait list and trying to get a curated list of beta testers for the, the third or fourth quarter of next year. Uh, is something we want to do. I know that's a long time in the future, but you know, there it, basically nobody who trades retail has access to anything like this, and we want to start getting it out there. Also shows that you actually have a long term view. Uh, you know that you're thinking we're, about this. We're, we're uh, the end of the year. That shows that's how you right exactly, and that's how everybody should be viewing everything in this asset class. By the way, so uh, should should give you some context. That's well, right. anyone, guys, uh, we'll find a way. I guess uh, Dave, you and I maybe will come back on in the future, and we can actively set up a way in advance to get people uh, that access and beta testing. And so we'll we'll talk about that offline. Perfect. Thanks, Scott. Enjoy awesome. the rest of your rest of the week, and uh, have a happy new year. Thank you, you too. Bye, everybody. See you tomorrow. Peace. That's dope.